You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. We're going to cover the why, the how, and the what. Um, The why and the how will have uh, we'll have a few words that we can either put a, on a post-it note or in the margin uh, or on a separate piece of paper uh, that link with Genesis 1 and, and then with the what we'll do some colouring in. So it won't be too strenuous, I, I guarantee, uh, the why, the, the how and the what. So I'm going to cover off firstly on the why. Uh, so what you can hopefully see for those in the back on the screen there is a, a table um, why did God create the earth? And there's, there's some references. So uh, the, the plan would be for you to create this table, uh, either, as I said, either in the margin or on another page or a post-it note. Um, and then we're going to put a few of the reasons why God created the earth. And uh, I'm just going to go through and, and cover some of those references while you're writing those down. So... Why did God create the earth? Well, we've got five things there uh, that are referenced in various parts of the Bible. Uh, So you don't need to turn this up because you'll be hopefully writing that table out. Um, And while you're doing that, I'll I'll just cover off on a few of these. So why did God create the earth? Well, the first reason we've got there is so that the earth could be inhabited. Now, I think this is important because... You know, some people talk about the fact that Earth has a limited lifespan and at some point in millions of years it's going to explode and and disappear. But God actually created the Earth to be inhabited. Isaiah 45 and verse 18, and we read in Isaiah 45 verse 18, For thus saith Yahweh that created the heavens, God himself that formed the Earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain, He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. So God had a purpose when he created the earth. The purpose that began with creating the earth, with putting people onto the earth and a hope and a plan that would lead to salvation of those people in the the future. He created the earth for his pleasure. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. And we read there, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. So God takes pleasure and delight in His creation, in what He has made. The third point we've got there is that it's a witness to the existence of God. And Psalm 104, which... Brother Matt referenced last week and and he called it the creation psalm. In Psalm 104 and verse 24, we'll, we'll repeatedly look at Psalm 104 during the night. But in Psalm 104 verse 24, we read, O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. And so 
when we look out to, to the things in the earth, we're, we're told that it's a, a witness of all of his riches. We can see God's handiwork in them. In fact, Romans 1 and verse 20 talk about how creation really is, is a way to give us evidence uh, for people to believe in God. And in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, we read, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You know, so people can't say that we don't know God. We, we, we've never heard of him because Romans 1 is telling us, well, we just have to go and look at creation and and that is sufficient evidence on its own for, for evidence of God and for us to believe in God. And that last reference there in Psalm 19, why did God create the heavens? Well, uh, the heavens and the earth, why did God create these things? Psalm 19 verses 1 to 4 talk about how these things show God's glory. We read there, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. And so at the very start of that reference there in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of of God. And so there's just a few examples of why God created the earth. Uh, for those that are writing that down, and if you haven't quite finished, uh, we can always put it back up again at the, the end, or you can go and check the YouTube video and pause it on that table, and you'll be able to finish off those bits on that one there. So, how did God create? And again, this would be a good table that we could put in Genesis 1, um, either in the margin or, or on a separate post-it note. Um, and here we've got three points that, that we can turn to in terms of how God created. Uh, the first one, of course, Genesis 1 and 2, which we've read, uh, where it talks about the creation over a period of days. Uh, and that reference in Exodus 20 uh, confirms that what we have is a creation that happened over six literal days and then a, a seventh day of rest. Uh, not the idea that it was something that happened over thousands of years, that, that each day was a thousand, or, or that it happened over millions of years through a, an evolutionary process. In Exodus 20 and verse 11, we read, For in six days Yahweh made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in, in it, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So that's a, a pretty clear reference, that it was six days of creation. And we have similar words in Exodus 31. And reading at verse 17... It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. 
very clear verses that talk about a literal six days of creation and then a seventh day of rest. So how did God do it? Well, God spoke and it happened. And we'll start to see this when we start to colour in the days. Uh, that on, a, on each of those verses you've got let it, uh, God saying, let there be, and, and so there was. And in Psalm 33, it picks up on this very point. Psalm 33, verses 6 to 9. We read there. By the word of Yahweh were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breadth of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake... And it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. And so here again, we've got a very clear reference of God speaking and it happened. And when we look in Psalm 103, we expand that further to find that it's the angels who were responding and, and doing the work. So God spoke and it happened. And here we have in Psalm 103, verses 19 to 21, we have the angels doing that work. It says there, Yahweh hath prepared his throne in the heaven, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless Yahweh, ye his angels, that excel in strength, and do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye Yahweh, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. And so we've got the the message here that the angels are following the commandments of God and they're, they're doing that work. And um, in Genesis 1 and verse 1, where we read the word God, that's the Hebrew word Elohim, which is the word used for angels, mighty ones. So that's how God created the earth. He did it over six days and a seventh day of rest. He spoke and it happened and his angels did the work. So that's covered the, the why and the how. I told you it would be easy. It was nothing going to be too strenuous tonight. The third thing we're going to start looking at now is what, the what. What did God create? Of course, there was seven days, six days of creation and a seventh day of rest. Now, what you'll see at the top of each of the next slides is a, a colour in, uh, and it's, it's talking about colouring in. Now, uh, I was looking at, at my colouring in, um, which I think I did about 30 years ago, uh, and what I realised is I was really enthusiastic about the, the colours that I had at the time, so I coloured it in really thick, and when I touch it I can feel the waxy thickness of the colouring in. Uh, but um, Ollie Scott came up and showed me his Bible last Sunday. Uh, Ollie, I don't know, have you, got it? have you got it with you? Can you... Can you Stand up and show everyone how you've done your colouring in. Because I, I want to say there's, there's two possible ways you can do this. Uh, so what Ollie's done is he's created a colour around the border of the verses and he's left the inside of it um, still clear to be able to underline and, and do other things. I, I like that way because if I try to put any uh, underlines in my very um, thick colouring in, which you can see there, 
um, it tends to not show. So for those that are going to be colouring in, I, I, you can use either of those two methods, um, but I think the colour on the outside is definitely a good one. Um, so I'll just make a couple of comments as I go through each of these, uh, but, don't, um, but, but don't wait for me to, to, to finish talking, just crack on with colouring in. So here we're colouring in day one. The other thing that you might want to do as well is next to the verses, uh, perhaps at the very first verse, um, you can colour in, uh, you, can, you could write uh, something like I've got at the very bottom of the, the screen there where it says day one light appears. So you could colour it in and then right next to it light appears. Now, I noticed on the screen here, I've said Genesis 1, verses 2 to 5, and I've just noticed that in my Bible, I've coloured in verses 3 to 5. Um, I think it's fine if you're colouring in verse 2 as well, but uh, what we find in verse 3 is really the commencement there where God says, let there be light, and there was light. And so here we have the very first day when light appears. And really what we've got here is it's a separation. So... It's not talking about here the creation of light. What we have is really a separation of the light from darkness. Uh, and, and this really starts the process off for us in terms of uh, the creative work that, that our father did. He separated the light from the darkness. Of course, we're, we're told that the, the light is day and the darkness is called night. Uh, and what we'll find with each of these sections is that it will then say the evening and the morning was the first day. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, or 2 to 5, we've got the very first day when God separated the light from darkness. And so it would, it would seem then, probably, that at the same time the earth would begin to spin so that you get that day and night effect. Uh, it doesn't specifically say that, but uh, we would imagine uh, at some point the, the need for the, the earth to spin. Uh, by the way, incidentally, uh, this is just a plug for the, uh, the expositor, the green book. Uh, it's a really good book if you want to have a read uh, regarding some of the more, I guess, perhaps the scientific things that you might be interested in from Genesis chapter 1. Uh, we're not going to cover the scientific things today, uh, but certainly it does cover some of the things like, for example, well, if light comes from the sun, how, how is there light on the first day, but then it's talking about the sun on the fourth day. So how do we capture those first few days? So you can read that there if that's um, something that you're interested in doing. Uh, it makes reference to, uh, I think it's... Um, Eureka, there's, there's a few references in that as well, but yeah, it's a, it's a good book to have a look at a little bit more of the detail on some of these things. Right, so hopefully you've coloured in the first day. So the next day, um, colour in Genesis chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. Uh, again, I'm sure you're doing this, but I recommend using a different colour for each of the days. On the second day, verses 6 to 8, we've got God saying, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. So what's this talking about, the dividing of the waters from the waters? 
Well, it's really talking about the fact that now there is a, a separation, that there's the clouds above, there's the water beneath, and there's a, an atmosphere that now exists between the, uh, the, the water and, and the clouds. And um, I'll just read for you from Psalm 104. I really like the way that this describes um, what is going on. So again, this is our creation chapter. Psalm 104 and verse 2. Talking about God who covereth thyself with light as with a garment, who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain. And so you can just picture that in your mind, the, the heavens being stretched out like a curtain as God creates the firmament, as there's a, a cloud and there's a, um, a, an atmosphere, there's a sky and there's the waters beneath. And so we stretched out the heavens. Right, so that's the second day. Um, and again, if you're, if you're writing something next to day number two in verse six, you could, um, you could write there day two, separation of waters. And, and notice again, it's a separation. So what does that mean? It seems so far that God has done separation, but has he actually created something yet? Well, day one, we separate light from darkness. Day two, we separate um, the waters uh, to be above and below. So, so far we've got two days worth of separating things. But you know what he's really doing here is he's starting to prepare the earth for some of the later days. And that's, that's the other point, isn't it? That you can't do these things out of order. You can't have the animals on day one and then have the land on day five because that's just not going to work. So there is an order of what's going on here. Day three we start to see growth upon the earth. Uh, now, this, is a, uh, this section is verses 9 to 13 that we're colouring in. Um, and we can put next to day three that there is growth upon the earth. Uh, and what we have here in verse 9, God saying, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And in verse 10, we have God calling the dry land earth. And, and again, we've got, um, we've got a, a reference here in Psalm 104, verses 6 to 9, which, again, the, the psalmist really captures this beautifully. In Psalm 104, verses 6 to 9, we read, Thou coverest it with deep as with a garment, the waters stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke they fled. At the voice of thy thunder they hasted away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. And, and you've got this picture in, in Psalm 104 of, of this voice of Yahweh, this rebuke to the, the waters as they basically move into position and suddenly you've got land and you've got mountains and all of those bodies of water are now appointed to their position. So there's no chance of the sea leaking into the, the earth and suddenly you've got basically the whole earth covered with the sea. 
because God has set the laws and the boundaries for the sea to be in their position. Uh, they might overflow, you might have floods as we've seen, but uh, there's never a, a concern that the, the, the sea will just leak out of the earth or, or gravity will pull it all away. It's all been ordered by God, uh, again, to prepare the earth for uh, habitation. And verse three, uh, uh, day three, sorry, is really where you first start to see the appearance of life. So we've got grass, we've got herb, we've got fruit yielding seed. Now, again, of course, you can't do these things out of order. So God needed the light and he needed to have the atmosphere and he needed to have the land so that he could then start to have um, the herb yielding seed and the fruit yielding seed. And, and again, it's, it's ready there for life. Right, so that's day three. How are we going? Are we, we colouring in these days okay? Are we, you, you, you've done that one? Getting nods? Good. All right, so we can move on to day four. Uh, day four, what did God create? Well, in day four, we have the sun, the moon and the stars. And for this section, we need to colour in verses 14 to 19. We read in verse 14, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And so the word of God goes forth, let there be lights in the firmament. Now this, this book here covers some of the Hebrew words a lot better than I could do. So again, it's, it's worth having a read. Uh, but when these verses talk about God making two great lights and two greater lights to rule the day, uh, the word there is talking about how he appointed. And so that's why on the slide there we see God appointed two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And, and that really comes out in that... Uh, in the creation psalm that we've been looking at in Psalm 104. And when we read verse 19, we read, He appointed the moon for seasons, the sun knoweth his going down. So God appointed these great lights. So he really set rules and... Uh, and the rule, the laws that he created uh, enabled the sun to be there in the day and also for the moon to be there at night. So that then kicked off other things as well, like seasons. So um, in the future, there would then be um, summer, winter, spring, autumn, um, all those things that are, are really driven, those seasons being driven from the sun. So if you're writing uh, something next to day four in, in verse 14, you could write there the sun, moon and stars. Of course, this really also uh, had a few other advantages, apart from the sun and the moon, but also uh, the stars. So it, it, it created a situation where uh, mankind could start to use 
the stars for navigation um, and for, for other things. So, so once again, we see the order of things being built up for the necessity of life. So that's day four. Have we coloured in? We'll colour it in on day four. Good. Right. So day five. We need to colour in Genesis one verses twenty to twenty-three. We're now on the fifth day, and we can write next to verse twenty, day five, the aquatic and the aerial animals. So I've written here um, on the slide here that God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living souls, which is the way you can take the Hebrew. The, the writing here is, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life. Um, but when you look at the Hebrew, it's let the waters swarm with swarms of living souls. And so when people get stuck on this idea of mankind having an immortal soul, well, these souls that were created were uh, living souls, just as, as we are a living soul, so are the creatures that were created in, in the sea and um, in the air. So we've got the waters swarming with swarms of living souls, and we've got also God saying, let the uh, let, let there be the creation of the, the fowl that may fly about over the earth, over the expanse of the heavens. So now we've got life in the sea and we've got life in the air. Now Psalm 104, for some reason I haven't put a placeholder in Psalm 104, so I keep taking my hand away and having to find it again. Um, but in Psalm 104... Verse 25, so is this great and wide sea wherein all things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. And that's really true, isn't it? The sea is absolutely full of an innumerable number of different creatures. It would be impossible for us to ever calculate or work out or discover how many creatures are in the sea, which is why... Uh, it's described in Psalm as being innumerable. So we've got the sea filled with the, the, the animals in the sea and we've got the sky filled with the birds. You know, this is, um, this is also a really uh, important point when it comes to uh, this idea of the literal six days instead of it being an evolutionary process. And uh, you'll often see in, in, in the reading here uh, that it was created after its kind. So a bird would produce a bird, although it might look a little bit different, just like a human would create a human, even though it would look a little bit different. But we don't have humans turning into birds or birds turning into humans. Um, and so when we look at the, the reading, it's very specific to say that it's after their kind. Right, so that's day five. And then we've got day six, which is a big section to colour in. It's from verses 24 through to verse 31, the end of the chapter. And uh, what we can write next to day six is we can write down um, 
terrestrial animals because now we're moving from whereas before it was in the sea or it was in the air, now we've got terrestrial animals which are both um, animals and, and uh, humans being created here. So in verse 24, let the earth bring forth a living creature after his kind. And when we have a look at the different types of creatures and animals being described here, I think what we get is we get three, perhaps three, three or, or four, if we include man and woman, different types of animals. We've got wild animals, we've got domestic animals, we've got reptiles being mentioned, and we've got man and woman. And so that's the sixth day, the creation of those things. Uh, now, of course, as I said, the uh, creation of humans is, is being covered next week, so we're not going to deal with that section at all. Uh, but it's worth just thinking about the fact that uh, what we saw throughout Genesis chapter 1 was we saw that God was describing his creation as good, uh, he saw it was good, he saw it was good, but on the, on the sixth day when it uh, describes man and woman, they're described as very good. So that's um, just an interesting thing to note and uh, for something that you can look at in more detail and um, it, it may or may not be covered next week depending on what the speaker is going to cover. But the, the sixth day we have the terrestrial animals being created. So that covers the six days of creation. How are we going? Are we coloured? We should now have most of Genesis chapter 1 covered. Good. So the seventh day. The seventh day is described for us in chapter 2. Now I've got in my Bible covered in Genesis chapter 2 verses 2 and 3. Uh, because it is really part of the creative work. It's not that God created something specific on the seventh day, uh, but when we consider creation, we consider the seven days of creation. And uh, we read there in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed, blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Now when you read that, you could take the cynical view and say that God obviously needed to rest um, because obviously creating over six days was a lot of work um, and it would have been hard work and that's why he needed to rest. But of course we know from Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28 that that's not the case. Uh, we read in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, Yahweh, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. So... The great creator of the heaven and earth it doesn't get weary and he doesn't faint. Uh, but what we have on the seventh day is creation, the creative work over that um, six previous days. We have God uh, resting and blessing the work. 
But you know, really, uh, God's creative work didn't really end on the seventh day because what God had done is he had established now the earth with the sun and, and the seasons and the moon and the land and the animals and the birds and the fishes. So he created all this. But what God is still doing is he's creating a group of people who will one day uh, be redeemed from mortality. And so really that, that work that God has done, although it's not, a, it's not part of the six days of creation that we've read from, it's that continual work. And, and that's why when we, we hear talks about God working in the nations or God working in our lives or in the lives of others, that that is, that is a continual work that God is doing leading up to the ultimate fulfilment of um, his plan and purpose. So that's the seven days that we've now looked at the how, we've looked at the why, we've looked at the what, and we've done some colouring in. So the, the last thing I wanted to cover off, and it's really just uh, something that, to give you a little bit of a, um, a motivation to say that when you have a look at Genesis, there are so many layers to Genesis chapter 1 and creation. It's, I guess you could say it's a bit like an onion. It's, uh, you, you get the, the surface of it, which is the creation, but then you can really start to delve into it in detail and you can have a look at some of the other aspects that this seven, uh, the seven days is looking at. it. And here's one as an example. Uh, this is one that um, Jamie Scott sent through to me uh, when he was giving me some of the details for this talk. And it's, it's the fact that when you have a look at creation, you've got days one to three where there's really a separation, the separation of uh, the light from darkness and the waters divided above and below and the dry land appearing uh, from water. So you've got this separation, but then you've got uh, things that were actually made in days four to five. Uh, there's the sun and the moons and the heavens. There's the birds and the fish and the sea creatures. Uh, and there's the land creatures and humans. And, and so you could look at this and say, well, here we have a, uh, something we can look at, uh, bring it back to ourselves personally to say, well, God separates us. That's the first thing he does. He separates us from the world and then he makes us his children. So you, you can see just by way of example how you can start to have a look through uh, and you can see how does Genesis align to other things. Um, it, it can align to uh, things that we can take away personally. Um, in fact, uh, I think there's a, uh, something at the, at the very front of my Bible, which is probably also 30 years old, and it's taking a look at God's 7,000-year plan and how Genesis describes his 7,000-year plan. Um, or there's, a, there's another box at the bottom that looks at each of the, the days and um, looks at out the stages of our lives as believers. So there's so many other things that we can look at with Genesis beyond just the fact that it's a creation. Um, and so, you know, if you're ever thinking about what you can do as a, an activity, uh, as a family, you, you might want to have a look at what, what other things can we draw out of Genesis. Um, and there, there's a few things in here, in that book, that you can draw out of it. Uh, but certainly it's... Um, it's a beautiful picture, not just of the creative work, but also of God's whole plan and purpose with this earth. 
Um, so I think we will leave it there. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.